What's happening in Crosswalk? <laughs> you guys. You're too good. You're too good. Oh, man. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Praise the Lord. It is so amazing. What a day already. And just to sit here and, and to listen and to see the way you worship. I was just overwhelmed. Um, tech team, I think I may have got some tears in my microphone from just joy. So be, be mindful of that. Um, it's just such a blessing to be able to share it with you all today. As Tim mentioned, we're in week three of our series, Conversations. And today, we're talking about the way that things can change throughout a conversation. So we're looking specifically at this story in the book of Mark, chapter 5, where Jesus converses with evil, namely the garrison demoniac named Legion. So before we dive into that, I just have to say a word to all the mothers out there as well. Happy Mother's Day. You are all so wonderful, so special, so loved, so amazing. We are blessed by you. I have just been so privileged to have the mom that I've had throughout the years. Um, when I think about her being my mom, I always think about good food. And I don't know, well, when I went away to college, whenever I'd come home, she would always say, what are you hungry for? And if anybody was here on Easter weekend, Friday night, I gave a little sermon. What do you think my answer may have been? Friday night tacos. <laughs> You're right. So it was always good coming home, eating that good food. Such a blessing to have that mom. Another tremendous blessing in my life was seeing my wife become a mother. We have two boys, and it's just been such a beautiful, beautiful thing to experience, to be part of. And so I'm so thankful for the moms in my life, for all the moms that are here today. We hope that you feel loved and appreciated because you truly are wonderful. Now let's talk about demon possession. <laughs> so I, I just got to tell you this. Since day one, Tim has been saying, when are you going to preach? When are you going to preach? And I've continually said to him, whenever you tell me to, because you're the boss, right? Like, you just tell me when, and I'll, I'll do it. So he's like, okay, how about May 11? And I'm like, absolutely. Turns out it's Mother's Day, and then he gives, here's your, here's your topic, exorcism, demon possession. I'm like, what? Are you serious? So we're just going to go for it. Let's just dive right in, okay? Bear with me. A lot can change in the course of a conversation. Have you ever had this experience where you're in a conversation with somebody and you recognize maybe even the moment where the conversation turned or it shifted? You felt it, maybe it went from good to bad or it could have gone from bad to worse. Maybe it was one of those crucial conversations. Hopefully your experience has been positive that maybe it turned from bad to good, a change for the better. But have you ever experienced that? I had this experience recently because I was, I was given, and I actually had the great joy of responding to all of our first time visitors on Easter weekend. So I was sending emails, making phone calls, and if you were here and you didn't receive a call from me, I, I apologize. I can't quite read hieroglyphics. Some of those, <laughs> some of those cards were, I could not understand them. So I got a lot of um, emails coming back saying, nice try. Uh, I got phone calls that didn't go through, voicemail boxes that were full. So I do apologize. If you email me, mike at crosswalkvillage.com, I will respond to you and I will say thank you for coming. So do that, please. So... Here I had this privilege of calling, and I'm, I think it was probably Wednesday afternoon, I'm making these phone calls, and 
I'm kind of surprised when a person answers because not a lot of people answer the phone nowadays. So, so somebody picks up the phone and they say hello and I'm kind of caught off guard. And so I, I, I had a little script. I was trying to keep it all together. I'm like, hello, hey, this is Pastor Mike from Crosswalk Church. I'm just calling to say thank you for coming and worshiping with us on Easter weekend. And the person was so thankful. They're like, wow, I don't think anyone's ever called me from church. So I'm like, Yes, nailed it, points, right? So, so I'm thinking this is great, it's going good. Then it takes a turn, and the person begins to tell me that they didn't have a good experience with us on Easter weekend, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. So they begin to tell me that first thing was the pastor preached way too fast. And so I was like, oh, no. Because I remember on Easter weekend, we had a really tight, like, everything was timed out perfectly. And even I had this sense, like, Tim was moving. He was actually, I was like, man, that was a tiny bit fast. But anyways, I apologized to the person. And I'm thinking, like, okay, strike one. And then they say, and you know what? We brought some friends. And the lights, they just did not like those lights. I was like, what? I was like, man, those lights were on point on Easter, as always. But then I'm thinking, well, if they pointed into a person's eyes, that could be a real bad experience. So I was like, I'm so sorry, strike two. And then comes the mother of all strikes. They tell me that their kid had a really bad experience and I'm thinking, oh, no. Like, as a father, I'm like, that would be it. That would be it. I would never go back to this church. So they tell me they checked in their kid, and they, the people wouldn't allow them to check their kid out because they wanted to worship together. And I'm thinking, like, how can this be possible? And then they say, while their kid is there, they get punched in the face from another kid. They've got a red spot. They're, like, talking to the person, and the person's like, oh, well, it is what it is. You know, they brush it off. I'm, like, melting down on the phone. I'm like, are you kidding me, right? So here I'm thinking, like, I have got to, like, recover this. How am I going to possibly, like, bring this back, like, to a good thing, right? So finally, this was, like, a 15-minute conversation. The person's telling me that, They've been struggling. They've been having a hard time. Sometimes it's even hard to put food on the table. And so I think, our, our Thursday night clinic, like, let me do an invite. So I tell them, I said, hey, listen, just so you know, we have this Thursday night clinic where we provide a lot of different services, a lot of support. One of the things we do is we provide a meal, a hot meal every week. Please, if you ever are in need, come through. And they're, they're like, wow, I didn't know you guys did that. Because sometimes I go to a different church on Thursday nights, and they have a clinic. And I'm thinking, wait, I didn't know there's another church that does a Thursday night clinic. And then they say, yeah, it's called Crosswalk. I'm like, all right, <laughs> that's us. <laughs> I'm like, this is Pastor Mike from Crosswalk. I don't know how they missed that in the intro, but somehow they launched into this story about what had happened at a different church on Easter weekend. So I'm like... Oh, hallelujah, praise the Lord, like, so, so good. And the beauty of it was that everything changed. There was this incredible turn in the conversation because then the person's like, oh, you're from Crosswalk? Oh, I love your church. Oh, the pastor's so good. Oh, I'm, I don't know if they said this about the lights, but I think they would have said, the lights are on point. You know, like, it's so good. Like, the people are awesome. And it was just amazing that everything turned so now I want to tell you this story from Mark chapter 5, where we see this incredible turn in a conversation that Jesus has. So let's start with Mark chapter 5, verse 1. 
It says, so they arrived at the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of a boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. Now, that's not creepy, right? <laughs> you got some crazy guy coming out of the cemetery, rushing at Jesus. Like, whoa. But let me give you a little background, a little context. This story actually takes place right after a very famous, well-known miracle that Jesus did where he calmed the sea, right? He had been teaching and preaching. They get in the boat. They're crossing the sea. He's asleep in the back. The disciples are terrified. They think they're going to drown and die. And Jesus says, peace, be still. He calms the sea, right? And after that, they land on the shore. In this region, it's called the Gerasenes. But if you're looking at your Bible or you're on your phone or tablet, you see a different word there. Let me just explain. There's a little bit of confusion around where exactly this took place, all right? So you may see three, there's three different actually ideas about where this took place. So it said there's a region of the Gadarenes, that's a possibility. There was another idea that it was maybe the region of the Gergesenes, and the third one was this region called the Gerasenes. Now I put the Greek up there and all those words so that you can see, it wouldn't be hard to like misidentify one of these, right? Like, they're so different, right? <laughs> I'm thinking, like, if we had in the Inland Empire three cities, one was called Redlands, one was called Reglands, and the other was Reslands, it's like, how could you not mistake those, right? So anyways, a little bit of misunderstanding, confusion around those, but what we do know is that this region was also known as the Decapolis. So it's a territory of about 10 cities, and they land there, and now there are two of these cities, uh, Gadara and Garasa, that were larger and more well-known. But these cities were further away from the shore. So most likely they were, this story was not in those, story, in, in those cities. This story most likely took place in this, the town of Gergasa, which here's the beauty of this. Gergasa was in Gentile territory and is actually known to be a place of insignificance. So here we see Jesus intentionally going to this place, pursuing this opportunity to heal this man. Let's pick it up in verse three. It says, this man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and he smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Now, there's something going on here. Here we have this madman who's living in a cemetery, and he has supernatural strength. Now, I know this is the season of the Avengers. We've got Endgame right now. So we're, we're accustomed to seeing superpower, super strength, right? We're used to seeing this. But in reality, have you ever known a story or seen a person break chains, break the shackles, right? This is just so unnatural. But here we can see this man is being powered by something. And what really fascinates me about this narrative is what goes unsaid or what is implied here. It says, whenever he was put into chains, as he often was, he snapped them. No one was strong enough to subdue him. So this tells me, if you're reading between the lines, that people were trying, right? There were people that 
cared about him. They were coming to try and help him. They had not given up on him. And I'm guessing you may be thinking, Pastor Mike, he was nuts. They're trying to subdue him so they can put him in prison. You're probably right. I think that's a possibility. But I think what I'm choosing to see that there's another possibility. And let me invite you to join me in this thought, this possibility. What if there was a mother that was worried about her son? What if there was a mother who was constantly praying for her boy, who cared so deeply for him that she never stopped pursuing him? What if this man came from a family came from a network of people, a community that still loved him, that knew him when he was little, before everything went awry? And what if they were still actively pursuing him, trying to bring him back to his right mind, trying to bring him back into that community? Those are the possibilities that I like to think of because I've had that experience. When I was at my lowest point in life, I had a mother that never stopped praying for me. I had a father that never stopped caring about me. I had a group of friends, a family, a network that was always there for me no matter where I was, no matter what I was doing, what I was into. They always cared and they never stopped. So that's the type of experience that I've had and that's the type of person that I choose to be. And this is the type of community that we're striving to be, a community that loves well, that pursues those who are in need, that provides the support for those that are in need. So whatever the case was with this man, he was under attack and he was being heavily influenced by the enemy. I think it's important to say a word here about the difference between demon possession and mental illness, right? There's modern day scholarships that supports both, that there are true demon possessions. There's also just tons of literature about, yeah, the importance of mental health, the, the ways in which people can provide, um, receive support for mental health. But in Jesus' day, there was not a clear differentiation. If you had mental illness, more likely than not, almost 100% of the time, you were demon possessed right? So nowadays, we have mental health issues showing up in a variety of ways, and thank God there are great ways, interventions, medications that can help people. There are communities like ours that are here for people, and so I just want to say another a quick word. If you are struggling with mental health issues and you are in need of support, please don't feel like you're alone. Please reach out to us because we are here for you. We want to support you. We want to offer our support, our services. We want to provide recommendations, referrals, whatever we can do for you to help you on this journey. In verse 5, we'll pick it up again. Day and night, it says, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. So what do we see happening here? Here we see this madman, this erratic, unpredictable, incredibly troubled, demon-possessed man that no one can subdue being irresistibly drawn to Jesus, right? It says the man saw him and ran to meet him and bowed before him. This wasn't a meeting of hope, however. This was a meeting of terror, 
Verse 8, it says, For Jesus had already said to the spirit, Come out of the man, you evil spirit. So Jesus had spoken a word of exorcism, and the demons immediately knew who they were dealing with. They even said, Jesus, son of the most high God. But somehow, these spirits did not flee. They remained until something happened, until they were called by name. Verse 9, then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. Now, we're all familiar with this move, right? It's a discipline tactic. Parents use it all the time. For me, it always sounded like, Michael, Edwin, Rhinus, you get over here right now. You stop that. And that's when I knew I was in big trouble. I could keep goofing off, fooling around until I was called by my full name, right? So we're accustomed to this. That's when we knew our parents meant business. And here we see Jesus stepping into this authoritative role. It says he demanded what is your name? Legion? Okay, Legion, you get out of this man right now. And the demons were like, whoa, <laughs> oh no, busted, right? One commentary I was reading, it said this about this, that knowing the name was believed to give one power over the person because the name stood for the nature of the person. You see, the demons resisted at first before Jesus called them by name, but then the demon shares his name, which illustrates his condition. We don't use this word as much anymore, I don't think, but legion is a military term, right? It talks about a military, an army of soldiers, a group of soldiers. It's not even just a small number. It could mean upwards of 6,000 soldiers. So Jesus doesn't get a specific name. He actually gets a declaration. He gets the name of a troop of a unit, of an army that has declared this man's body is their territory. But look at what happens next. Verse 10, the evil spirits begged him again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us into those pigs, the spirits begged. Let us enter them. So as powerful as these spirits were, they recognized they were dealing with a superior power. And Mark draws attention to this power here because he highlights that Jesus not only had the power to cast the demons out, but he controlled their destination. He decided where they would go and what would happen to them. Verse 13, it says, so Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of the man and entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Incredible. So this action brings about several different things. First, it brings liberation, right? This man, who was now formerly known as Legion, was now set free. He was free from bondage. He was liberated. And this is God's desire for all of mankind, for each and every one of us, that we would be set free, that we would be liberated. The second action this brings about is destruction and damnation. The evil spirits were cast out. They entered these pigs, and they met their demise in the depths of the sea. 
which I love this parallel when God talks about our sin and that when we are forgiven, he throws them into the depths of the sea and he remembers them no more. The third thing this action brings about is a very interesting response, which we'll see as we finish reading. Verse 14, the herdsmen fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane and they were all super happy. No, wait. They were all afraid. They're afraid now? They're afraid that he's sane, fully clothed, and in his right mind? They're, they're not afraid of him when he's shrieking and howling and cutting himself and going crazy, causing terror? What type of response is this? Verse 16 says, Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and to leave them alone. So let's just recap here for a second. We, here we have this miraculous event takes place where a demon-possessed man is set free. The demons are sent into a herd of pigs. They do this kamikaze mission into the sea, right? The news spreads through the herdsmen, through the people that they tell, and then the news spreads again with those who were there. And what happens? Somehow, everyone is terrified, not amazed. Rather than rejoice and marvel at the majesty and the power of Jesus, they tell him to get lost. What a surprising reaction. You would think that you would see an outburst of faith. You would think you would see an, an outburst of discipleship and devotion. And yet we see the opposite. We see fear. We see disbelief and rejection. Now, it doesn't really surprise me that there's a little bit of fear and terror because all throughout Scripture, when humanity interacts with divinity, there's usually fear, right? That's why we see these words, do not be afraid, so often in Scripture because an angel is generally telling a human, don't be afraid, right? But here, to disbelieve and to reject Jesus as a result of what happened here, it just blows my mind. But as you know, a lot can change in the course of a conversation. We've seen that through Christ's dialogue with Legion. He went from being stark raving mad to sane and in his right mind, a change that turned from bad to good. Then we see a change through the conversations that the herdsmen had with the eyewitnesses and the newcomers. Things that were good turned to bad. This miracle takes place and there's terror and there's disbelief. And now we're about to see one more change that takes place as a result of this conversation. Verse 18, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the 10 towns of that region and to begin to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. And everyone was amazed at what he told them. 
A lot can change in the course of a conversation. This man who moments before was breaking chains with supernatural demonic power, this man who was known to mutilate his body with rocks, this man, because of the conversation and the interaction he had with Jesus, became a change agent for the kingdom of God. He went out and he shared the gospel. He told his story. He told everyone about the experience he had with the Savior. And through conversations, through sharing his testimony, hearts were changed from terror and disbelief to amazement and awe at the power of our great God. So Crosswalk, let me ask you this in closing. What is changing as a result of the conversations that are taking place in your life? Are there things in your life right now that need to go from bad to worse in order to get better? Are there things that may seem good but in reality may be bad because they're hurting you or they're distracting you from experiencing this amazement and this awe? As you leave here today, may you know that Jesus desires to be in conversation with you. He desires to know you and to be known by you. He desires to bring peace into the storms of your life, to calm the raging thoughts, to still the chaos, to right what is wrong, and to have you proclaim the great things he has done in your life so that others will be amazed. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we are so thankful for your relentless pursuit, for coming to us, for being in conversation with us, for giving us this opportunity to be in awe of your greatness and to share that. Lord, may through our conversations with you, may the conversations we have with others, may your love be poured out through our conversations, Lord. May we be change agents for your kingdom because of the great things that you have done in each of our lives. In Jesus' name we pray.